0: Coming to get you, Barbara.
1: I don't know what you come to do, but I come to praise name.
2: Because you'll never be anything but a common frump whose father lived over a grocery store and whose mother took in washing.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Who Shotcha? I'm your guest host this week, Dwayne Perkins. Today, we're joined by Film Reviews editor at The Wrap, Alonzo Duralde. Alonzo, what's good with you? Oh, Dwayne, I've made an amazing discovery,
2: and it's the uh, manager's special shelf at Target. Oh, oh. Um, it's kind of like the island of misfit toys, but for groceries. Get out! So it's where like the sports drinks with bold flavors that did not take off <laughs> right. go. Um, the experiments in cereal, like the chocolatey Captain Crunch with crunch Berries. right? Uh, all the stuff that just didn't quite land with the public uh, at uh, amazingly low prices. <laughs> so if you're feeling experimental and daring, and lower like there's a thing that you're like, oh, I want to try. This. That, but I do not want to try that for full price. Manager's special shelf. It's manager's you,
1: special shelf. You just like. I think you just opened up my world. I think you like. <laughs> yeah. You'll never be the same. You we changed know, my life for the better.
2: You
0: can eat things other than raisin bagels, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah a all, whole we,
1: big existence out there. I've had two raisin bagels today. You know, <laughs> for I might different go for the, meals. That's the yeah, the thing yeah. Doing. Breakfast and, like, and I might do the trifecta and have another one. yeah oh. And I had the exact same tea as well. <laughs> um, a medicine ball tea from Starbucks, which is, I think, two different tea flavors, lemonade and honey. Uh,
2: are you one of those people that, like, when you, you're you going to, like, do a diet and you make, like, one chicken breast for every day of the week uh, and they oh, all go yeah. into
1: Tupperware? Not really, because I can never prepare for a whole week of food. Because <laughs> that uh, just makes me sad. I can't the, the Sunday that. meal prep? Right. The only <laughs> thing I can do that with uh, is eggs. Like, I can boil, like, eight eggs and then eat them over the course of a few days. But other than that, my life is too crazy. In my mind, my life is too crazy. Um, But manage a special shelf, that's absolutely amazing. Uh, (laughs) We're also joined by uh, producer and film festival programmer, Drea Clark. Drea, what's good? Um, What's
0: good with me is the AAUW, which is the American Association of University Women, founded in 1881. And just this week, my mother in Northern California became a chapter president. Here, here for Linda Clark. Um, The AAUW... A-A-U-W. That's it's a lot. A U W. It's not. It's not an easy. The A, as Aye. I like to call it, um, <laughs> um, It's a pretty sweet organization. It started in 1881, and anyone, any woman can join that has an associate degree or beyond from some university or college. And in like 1885, one of the first things they had to do, which kind of focuses all of their philanthropy now, was sort of prove their own existence there was some dude at harvard saying that if women went to college it led to like infertility and all of this nonsense wow, and that so guy never,
1: he's never been to a sorority house yeah anyway. right
0: and so um and so they began uh clinical research and Of the women who were in university doing this thing and debunked it. And so since then, they do a lot of um, STEM support. They do a lot of... um, And since the 60s, it's gotten more and more sort of immersed in activism. STEM,
1: science, technology...
0: Engineering, engineering and math. Math, mm-hmm. Okay. And so they provide scholarships. They do a lot of, like, Title IX mm. legislation was largely started by an AU
1: <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> group. So it's a really, it's cool. I'm sure it would, like, all my mother really wants in this world is for me, my sister, and my sister in law to join the AAUW. So hopefully, me giving it a shout out will um, suffice. Band-aid that for a little bit more. <laughs> Does but she get a gavel or anything? Listen, she she's a clerk. She comes with a gavel. She (laughs) already had one of those. Where do you think I learned this?
1: And she's uh, North Carolina. No, no, uh, northern
0: Northern California. She's in Hillsburg. Yeah, nice. Um, Yeah, I'm very proud of my gadget. Oh, also the best part. No, not the best part, but a part that perfectly references my family is that I found this news out because my dad texted. Me, my sister, my sister-in-law, and he told us by saying, oh, so your mom hasn't told you this, but she's, you know, becoming president and they're doing it tomorrow. And the best part is men are not invited to the ceremony.
1: Like, All right, That's Skipper,
0: he's going to stay home.
1: Just like baby showers. Yeah, it's perfect. It's <laughs> beautiful. And, why, uh, and why, aren't, why, why are men not invited? Listen, you know? the women have too much to do. Right, right. They're just they're gonna install her and move along with right. business. It seems like like one way to ensure that no mansplaining happens is to not <laughs> <Don't> have <laughs> men. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. This hats, is not a bad idea. Hats off. Dwayne, um, what's Dwayne, good? Dwayne, what's good? Oh, oh thank you guys. It's a permanent
1: fight. Um well for me, what's good? A lot, a lot. I'm here with you guys, so that's good. I'm all Suck cinnamon up. raisin bageled up. <laughs> which is also good. And um I wrote a book with a friend of mine. Um we started this process. Maybe three or four years ago, and it is now available on Amazon. So that's ah, it's called uh, Zombie Run. It's basically a love story in a post-apocalyptic zombie world. Two uh, human beings find each other and they fall in love, and you know, figure out, try to figure a way out of this zombie existence.
2: Film rights are available. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah.
1: So far, yes, yes. I mean, it's just just came out, and basically, um, it was a movie idea I had, and then my buddy Koji, who I write with, he said, "Let's do a book instead." And so there you have it and the uh chapters alternate from the the guy's perspective and the girl's perspective. Not in first person, still in third person, but I wrote the guy parts, he wrote the girl parts. So it's like um it's like a weird zombie love letter between me and him, I guess. I don't know. Nice <laughs> Abelard and Eloise nice. yes. the Undead. So yeah, that's <laughs> That's what's exciting. Good. Yeah, it is. Uh thank you. Very exciting and hopefully People will like it. I mean, he's a zombie guy, Koji. I'm not a zombie guy, you know, in terms of he loves zombie movies. I like them. So, you know, I don't know when the zombie community gets to be. So you're the romance guy. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. He brought the zombies, <laughs> you brought the romance. Right. That's good.
0: Listen, there are worse things to be known for. Exactly. Everybody plays
1: for their strengths. Exactly. And uh, by the way, on today's show, we'll be discussing John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum, if I'm saying that right. <laughs> we will answer a call from the Who Shot in line. And, as always, we've got staff picks. But first, it's time for our news segment called It a Dick, <laughs> uh, if I'm saying that right. Oh, sure you are. For, is this it. important? Do I care? Each of us will read a news segment and answer a question. Is this important? Do I care? Uh, I'll go first. Uh, Chris Rock is bringing back the Saw franchise. It was recently announced by Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures that they're partnering with comedian uh, Chris Rock to bring back the Saw franchise. Rock is going to executive produce, but he also came up with the story himself. Um, Here's what Lionsgate chairman Joe Drake had to say about it. When Chris Rock came to us and described in chilling detail his fantastic vision that reimagines and spins off the world of the notorious jigsaw killer, we were all in. Uh, The new Saw movie will open in theaters October 23rd, uh, 2020, which is a very specific date. Anyway, (laughs) is this important? Do you care?
2: Well, I think Lionsgate owes Chris Rock a favor anyway, because if you'll recall, the Medea Boo movies started as a joke in top five. The oh cri- my God. The, the, the wow. the Chris yeah, Rock. Yeah. Has, he's, he's made this character yeah. about, like, he's made a movie about, like, Two Cent Lover or something. And he goes to opening night to see who is lined up for his movie. And he sees all these people and he gets excited. But then he finds out that they're all lined up to see Boo, a Medea Halloween. Oh,
1: my God! And then, gosh. you
2: know, Tyler I've Perry's like, that. I like that idea. And that's how Boo happened. So, you know, you're welcome, line That game. is
1: amazing. And that's pretty gangster of Tyler Perry to do oh that. Oh, God, so, you so. totally. Yes. Like, that's like, oh, you think that's funny? Watch. Gangster, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I, first off, the idea of all of the people now lining up to try and get a taste of the get out money is oh going to be my God, incredible that, yes. watching that. What's f- interesting to me is that Chris Rock is an exec producer of this. It's, and so I'm like, does he even get a story by? There's different, there's different directors, there's different writers. And even like James Wan, and Mark Berg and Oren Coles, the original producers, are coming back. So it's this very funny, Chris Rock, we would like your name on this. And you have this idea. Are you fine being an EP? And we'll send you like a cut every week. I mean, right, it, right. It, it means different things for different people. But I found just the crediting um, a real interesting Pandora's box of what could that mean?
2: I, I like the idea that, that like, after Get Out, all the black comics yes. are going to come forward with yes. their ideas. So, like, yeah. you know, Cedric the Entertainer's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> would, you know, watch. Yeah. would watch. Would <laughs> watch. You know, Absolutely.
1: Wanda Sykes's Bram Stoker's Dracula, whatever. Uh, you know. I mean, listen, all
0: of these I would watch.
1: <laughs> I mean, I have a book called Zombie Run, but me personally, I'm a comedian, too. I'm a stand-up. I don't know if I have a horror film in me. You know, like, mm. I... I I watch horror films begrudgingly (laughs) because I'm easily scared, so I just don't. You know, I hope that that's not another thing I have to do you know, now. Maybe, like,
2: maybe catch the next wave.
1: Dwayne. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it's like, I already got to do Instagram. I just don't want, <laughs> now I got to write a horror movie. Like, can I just be funny? I don't know. You know.
0: As your new friend, I kind of want you to be part of that cash grab.
1: I know, I know. but
0: I can Serrano you some horror ideas. That would be great. We can do a whole thing. Well, that's the thing. We'll do a whole band.
2: Reboot the Dr. Goldfoot franchise right. or something. <laughs>
1: did Chris go to them or did they go to Chris? This they is...
0: said he went to them. You know, like, is, again, like why... George Foreman
1: didn't really. Make the grill. You know what I mean?
2: (laughs) (laughs) How dare you, sir? (laughs) Besmirching the foreman name. Quentin Tarantino's new film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, premiered at Cannes, well, today as we're recording this, but premiered at this year's Cannes Film Festival. Uh, And he's begging all the goers not to spoil it before the release. He posted an open letter on the film's social media page, which read, I love cinema, you love cinema. It's the journey of discovering a story for the first time. I'm thrilled to be here in Cannes to share Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with the festival audience. The cast and crew have worked so hard to create something original, and I only ask that everyone avoids revealing anything that would prevent later audiences from experiencing the film in the same way. Once upon a time in Hollywood opens nationwide July twenty sixth. Is this important? Do you care?
1: Well, I don't know. It to me it feels like um it's he's disrespecting the you know people who also love film. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are like, you don't have to tell us this. We know this already. <laughs> so it feels a little bit like um um the, condescending? it's condescending. Yes, yeah. it's condescending. Um but at the same time, you don't know. Like some people don't want to know anything. Like yeah. some people, yeah. if you say, "So this film has credits," ah, oh, you know. Like, <laughs> so I think, um, I think it's good. I don't know if he's had this problem before. I, I he guess has. that would be the thing if he's had this problem before. It's, I don't know. I, I think that
2: well, he we had the whole script
1: of the hateful, the eight, hateful leak eight online, yeah. but that's not the same right. as spoilers.
2: Right? It's, you have it's to read similar
0: it. though. Like. Quentin's whole thing is he's just an earnest dork, and no amount of cool movies he makes will ever change that. Right, right. He will never be cool. He will always be an earnest dork, and I enjoy that part of it. Um, I like him asking it because he is pleading from an earnest dork viewpoint. He's not—to me, he's not doing— a you guys you don't appreciate whatever he's like come on you guys we love this and i worked on this i really because he he's saying it in a way that i think a lot of directors look at how their films are taken in and like finding out people watch things even on ipads let alone their phones the idea of how many festival tech checks i've sat through and watched people can we tweak the blue and all i can think is oh, my dude, you are not going to be able to tweak the... Like, so these things are precious gems Enjoy to filmmakers, you got right?
2: No, but I, I I think you're right, though. That there, people do freak out about every, anything and everything being a spoiler, you know? And, and you know, one of, the, one of the treats of going to a festival is that you are, like, among the very first people to see that movie, and then it's kind of up to you to decide, you know, how much you're going to divulge, and I... I, you know, with the like Avengers Endgame, I think, you know, we sort of all decided as a as a humanity that we were not gonna spoil it for people. But generally speaking, I am light on spoilers and I try and warn people that they're coming. But you never know what is gonna constitute for people. There's been a really True. interesting conversation on Twitter this week, uh, that Matt Zoller Sites uh from Rogereber.com has been having where he's like, you know what? Uh, I knew everything that happened in Psycho for years before I finally sat down and saw that movie. Like, I knew, you know, he listed all these films. Like, I knew what happened. I knew what happened. And it didn't, you know, ruin them in any way. And so I think there's there's a bit too much on the other end of it where, like, anything constitutes a spoiler. But right. at the, the same token, I understand you want to be able to watch The Crying Game or The Sixth sure. Sense and not know. So, Are you
0: saying those have twists? <laughs> That's all
2: I'm saying. As but,
0: the great April
1: Wolf said, it's not what happens, happens it's how, how it, it happens. happens. That's exactly right. And And he's in essence saying, don't be a dick. And it's like, there's too many dicks in the world for you to like you can't begin to regulate that like someone someone's gonna be a dick you <laughs> but do we mean? need also, to try <laughs> also quentin like let's just be careful
2: not gla- ha- glass house right right, right. right. <laughs> but no i i, I you're right I, I think from a from a from a movie nerd point of view it's like guys come on let's yeah let's all enjoy right. this but it's like it's,
1: it's i don't know it's like the internet you know it's just sure you can't contain anything these days no, you know no, no. so but i i care and i i I I vow to Quentin that I won't won't spoil it.
0: Dwayne, that's beautiful. Also, (laughs) it's one of my favorite things when someone actually answers if it's important or do they care. (laughs) So, kudos to you. Hey, you guys, I'm going to do this next one because I'm the woman. Go for it. Michelle Rodriguez signs on to Fast and Furious 9. Only after film hires female writers. You may recall a few years ago, Michelle Rodriguez took to social media to deliver an ultimatum. Either the Fast and Furious series make better roles for female characters characters, or she might have to say goodbye to a loved franchise. I don't know where she was thinking women weren't getting a good <laughs> shot in those. Uh, according to Bloomberg, Rodriguez is signed on to do the newest film and was also responsible for securing a female writer. Um There's no title as of yet, but the film is scheduled to come out on May 20th, 2020. You guys, I'm really glad we're getting these dates. I hope people are marking their calendars. So I ask you is this important? Do you care?
2: I care in that, yes, I think more of these franchises could do with more female voices on the other side of the camera. And, like, you know, yes, we did get that great, you know, subway fight scene with Ronda Rousey. But generally speaking, mm. yes, the, mm. the dudes do most of the talking in these movies. And you know? literal heavy lifting. And literal yeah. heavy lifting, yeah. So, uh, you know, and, and it's like, you know, they've got Charlize Theron and Dame Helen Mirren now. So maybe give the women more to do and say.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And... and- it's good. I think um it's weird it's like the most unlikely movie, but if she can do this for this movie then that means you can do this for any other movie. Sure. You know, because I don't think anyone, you know, who really watches the Fast and Furious movies religiously was worried about it, you know. Um, but I'm I glad. was. <laughs> <laughs> you were. You were. Yes. So I think I think it's good. I think um, it's good when stars flex their power. Yeah. And know their power as long as they're not, um, you know, assholes about it.
2: What What was the thing that Francis McDormand told everybody to do? Oh, the the parody parody writers. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Like you're right. I, you know. They want her back because, you'll recall, she left the franchise and came back. Oh, they brought and ev- her back from the dead, And y'all. everybody lost their minds. So, spoiler. like, she understands that she has enough clout here to be like, you know what? You want me to continue into the next eight of these? Like, I have some demand. Also, her character is the only woman that has
0: had consistent agency and any kind of real backstory. I guess...
2: Um, and Jordana Brewster doesn't get a lot. No, to she's do like usually. the wife. There's yeah. some
0: elements to it, but um, the the thing I, that I find really important in this, other than now I know what I'm doing, May twentieth, two thousand twenty, um, <laughs> is that there's also they're um, doing a spinoff a female-led Fast and Furious spinoff. So Hobbs Hmm. and Shaw that's coming out. One of the other upcoming ones that Vin Diesel talked about as a producer on this is, and I'm glad that he heard her flex and responded this way rather than putting up some sort of bro aggro shield and like, nah, you don't get to be in any of them. (laughs) And so they're doing a female-led one that is being written by a trio of like incredible, one of them's... I can only remember Nicole Perlman's name, but she wrote Guardians of the Galaxy, Mm. one of the co-writers of Captain Marvel, and then the other woman has a TV show, but it's this really cool trio Mm. of female writers. So, it's not, like, to me, I like this as the hearkening of a new era of Fast and Furious. And
1: and I will say this, um, and this is for real, I've always said this even before we, uh, you know, Assembled here today the best <laughs> driver that I've known in my life who wasn't like a, you know a professional driver was a woman like this girl I knew in New York was a crazy good driver And you know not to be funny, but also she was Asian, but she was a great good great driver and um, Just
2: shatter all the stereotypes yeah her
1: sense of like the car size and what she like you know, you would be in the passenger seat curled up, but she had full control. You know what I mean?
2: We need to get her
0: employed on this. Yeah, actually, She could be a stunt driver. She really could. Yeah. Nice. So, you guys, it is being highly suggested on the intranets that Robert Pattinson will be the new Batman. This past week, Variety reported Robert Pattinson, likely the new Batman, in director Matt Reeves' film The Batman. But as soon as the announcement was made, the internet in how doing how the internet does, exploded in rage over the decision that, quote, the Twilight guy was going to take over the role of Bruce Wayne. Uh, there have already been multiple Change.org petitions trying to stop the casting. The one that received the most signatures is titled, titled. This is great. This is the whole title. Warner Brothers, don't do it. Don't cast Robert Pattinson as Batman, question mark. Is this important? Do you care?
2: Shut up, Internet! (laughs) I mean, the people. Oh, for fuck's sake. We were talking about this before. Internet fanboys are still mad at Twilight because girls started showing up at Comic-Con. And how dare they ruin their, like, sanctified space of farts and BO and role-playing Now I got a shower. Yeah. They So, like, you know, the fact that Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart have been doing nothing pretty much but kick-ass work in movie yeah. after movie since that dumb franchise ended, no. these guys completely missed that memo, are not paying attention, didn't see Cosmopolis, didn't see Good the, Time. The Lost City lost of Z. Lost City of Z, you know, High Life.
0: He has a new movie at Cannes that's apparently yes. killed the lighthouse, which is... Sounds incredible, and it's going I to heard, take over everything. Super intense. and
1: So maybe no, we should start some sort of campaign to t- have t- these guys watch these movies. There you yes. go.
0: You can't sign this petition until you watch these... Roles
1: exactly, there you go. and yeah. also the people who make this movie—they don't need your permission to. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other <laughs> discussion. That, I mean, that
0: ties in. This—it's not movie-related, but that's like the, the Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Thrones
1: petition. Of, uh, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it yet, guys. I'm going to watch it tonight. Oh, no, they all I...
0: died, man. I'm all so right. sorry.
1: <laughs> <Oops>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've never, never seen it, but I just—the uh, thing I hate about one of the things I hate about the internet is this notion that fans think they have a say in how art goes, and you don't. You don't. Yeah.
1: You know, you can can partake or not
2: partake. Right, you get to
0: vote with your box office dollars, and you should choose those wisely. Wine all you want, but the idea of it influencing decisions is nonsense. Um, I do want, just when we're talking about Robert Pattinson, to say again that I'm Team Bella's dad. I like to be clear about that
1: whenever Twilight's brought up. Nice, nice. Sure. And and here's the thing: when this, uh, if he, you know, it comes out, he's in, it's great. How many of these guys are going to, like, Publicly say I was wrong. None.
2: Well, oh, look, get on Google and go find all the people who th- were furious that Heath Ledger was going to play the joke. Oh, yeah.
1: Right, right. Oh, oh they yeah. were so
2: mad.
1: And then they shut up. No, but I need, I need those and people to come out and say I was wrong. Oh, that's that's that the won't New York happen. in me. <laughs> but but that, that's the thing with the internet. It will live That's forever. as likely as yes.
0: you not eating a bagel for dinner. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs>
1: Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum, just as soon as we hear from another one of the shows on MaximumFun.org.
2: Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller.
1: Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man, sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks. Every week, myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes, and my co host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives.
2: Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks Deep Dives into Hot Records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun.
1: Welcome back to Who I'm your guest host, Dwayne Perkins. In the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Alonzo Duraldi. Yes, today we're talking about John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. Um, Alonzo, could you provide a brief synopsis of, of the film?
0: What is with the brief? And he, he <laughs> always... it's no. capitalized,
1: it, it, too. I
2: know so all caps. That says something. That is it. Producer yeah. Casey like being Listen, very passive-aggressive.
0: I say as a group. We revolt, we lock the door, and we do nothing but a recap. We synopsize until
2: it. the cows come exactly. home. Uh, not for this movie, though. Okay. <laughs> so this one picks up moments after uh, John Wick 2 ends, which took me a while to figure out. because, Because I saw John Wick 2 don't remember a thing about it except oh, that real? I enjoyed it. Okay. <laughs> it was fun and there was shooting and then I there was a story, I don't know. But there's a story. Um John Wick is excommunicado from the high table. And so everybody's after him. There's a bounty on his head. Uh m- all the suicide girls are doing their analog office equipment <laughs> yes, 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 yes. and making calls and filling ledgers and rubber stamping things. I love the analog office equipment in these movies. Anyway, um So John Wick uh, has to uh, find the guy to get himself not excommunicado, so he goes to Casablanca after dropping in on the Belarusian ballet mob that's run by Angelica Houston. But then he winds up at the Continental in Africa that is run by Halle Berry and her dogs that wear bulletproof vests. And then he <laughs> wanders out in the desert <laughs> and has a has a sit-down with like some very important person. Meanwhile, Asia Kate Dillon is, is harumphing around the Continental, making demands, and um, Ian McShane gives zero fucks. And uh, then he's back at the continental. And he shoots everybody and then he fights the guys from the raid, and then uh it's it. clearly gonna be chapter four. Hooray. Wait, you felt like this ended on an open ending? <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm just it's literally
2: Oh my they do everything but say like John Wick will be back in Diamonds Off no. Forever, you know. <laughs> they don't need
0: to. They title these chapters yes. now. Yes. Like it, yes.
1: it felt like they could have I mean, you know, it literally is like you know, chronologically like a few minutes after Oh, for sure. Just show us that again. Like, what's the big deal? Previously on John Wick. Yeah, why not?
0: I I remembered where it left off that it was him running and Ian McShane had given him an hour or something to -hmm. to get his affairs in order and that everyone in the world was going to start killing him. And I mean everyone in the world because apparently, especially there's three people in this room based on the... Ratio in this universe, at least one of you is an assassin.
2: No, based on the ratio in this movie, all of us all are assassins
0: for <laughs> sure. Right, right. I'm just going to tell you who I am. I'm going to slide this the dope coin, coin no, over. There's so
1: much yeah. coin sliding. It's kind of like how people not from New York vision and like how they see New York because, like this coin, like you can get in a random taxi, give them the coin, and, and know. they, everyone knows. Yes. yes, knows what's yes. going on. The
2: secret lingo. I,
0: I do feel I should top load this with i fucking love john wick i love these movies i have so much fun at them this one that my theater was packed and burst into full applause after a couple of the fight (laughs) scenes and i grin at them it makes me and as someone who is listen deeply invested in gun control it's for sure will require a lot of deep inner looking of why it is i enjoy it so much but it's a dance there's it's this beautiful it, exactly right they're okay. shot like ginger and fred like <laughs> it's
2: true no no and, and i think what they've done very intelligently is that because like we said everybody on screen is an assassin mm-hmm. it's okay if they stab each other right you know, it's not like they're out in the middle of central park and like you know baby carriages and old right, ladies right. are getting caught they in the all signed fire. up for this they're... yeah all signed up and they're all in that world. Yeah. So, eh, fine.
0: And they're doing – and because the background that they've set up and they're sort of exploring a little more each time. And it's one of those things, the hints of it that you got in the first John Wick of, oh, what's this – the Continental and you pay with <laughs> gold coins and everyone – there's a rule. <laughs> and then each one like the, as they expand the world, you kind of have to acknowledge like, – it's ridiculous, and you're they just use,
2: making it up as you go along. But yes. also,
0: I don't care. Like, yes, paying those gold coins. You mentioning the suicide girls is wonderful because it is. There's every part of this. The detail to, or the attention to detail, is gorgeous. It's it again. It could be completely pointless, but it's so rich. It's so interesting, and it makes you oh. Love it, swoon.
1: Yeah, and and uh, what well, I was going to ask you guys, I can't remember now. How m- how many pages of like, if you take out the fights, twelve. Like, what is this? Yeah, <laughs> it's a twelve-page script. <laughs> script. Yes, Cause, like, slightly real, longer than all is lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there's no talking.
2: No, I mean, there's I mean, barely any dialogue of note. I mean, the, it's all like very epigrammatic, you know, like these sort of short loaded little, you know, uh, uh, phrases or, you know, sentences with double entendre and, you oh, know, some, some yeah. e- that are either delivered very coolly or very archly, yeah. you know.
1: It's it, it's kind of like a, I, I thought when I watched it, I was thinking, and I'm not well versed, but it felt like a. A Hong Kong action oh, definitely. movie or something, kind of yeah, you know? like
2: less less insane with the acrobatics and stuff, but but the the, the same level of uh, uh, adrenaline for sure, right, right. you know, and 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 sort of like logic defying gunplay. Oh, you know? it felt like a video
1: game in that sense. Like it was yeah. like I don't know if there is a there probably is a John Wick video game, but there would have to be. Like, right? It, would that be, be redundant? Be... <laughs>
0: <laughs> the thing I like is that. <laughs> This is I hear myself say. You cause what I like is that he doesn't just use guns. He also kills people with knives. <laughs> and
2: library books. And
0: library books. The book kill, amazing. Oh yeah. Ooh. Well but, but the oh but gosh. I was gonna say because sure. of that, each of these in, in again in comparing this to musicals, especially sort of old Hollywood musicals, sure. A lot of those fight scenes are shot. Um, f- wide screen, you're seeing the full movement of the body. They're long shots. Most people who are shooting, like, talk about Fast and Furious, those people love close-up, edit, 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 edit. edit kind of, I think I know, someone hit this, someone shifted, <laughs> right. whereas in John Wick, you're getting this fluidity, you're getting the sense of, oh, you people trained to learn this knife dance, essentially. Right, well,
2: this is a movie that's made by, like, former stunt coordinators, sure. yeah, yeah, who want to give stunt coordinators, or, or stunt people like the room to sort of ply their trade and do the thing they do and somebody was saying these are really all just kind of like stealth matrix sequels like the sure. first like the basically <laughs> yeah, the, the matrix yeah. switched us all into thinking that we're in this like hyper violent video game world because it's cooler and so we'd go along with it these are all <laughs> a
0: training sequence that neo could have done to use that kind of to
2: learn that kind of fighting yeah like he has no right. idea that he's back in basically and it's,
1: it's, it feels like like you said the book kill as i watched that i just I just picture guys in the room like, okay, how is this guy going to die? Like people sat in a room and decided how each person would die and, and they keep raising the the ante, you know what I mean.
2: And I like the New Yorkiness of it because, like, he doesn't just kills him with the library book; he kills him with the library book In at the, the New York yeah. Public Library. Right. <laughs> he's not just running from motorcycles on a horse; he's doing it on the Brooklyn Bridge, yeah. you know, uh, or, or I assume it's the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm sure it's probably some meant to New be. Would be like oh, it's the George Washington <laughs> but you know, whatever. Some bridge. Uh, there's just uh, there's a lot of moments that have that specificity to it, specificity to it, and again it is this weird cartoon world that is sort of our parallel universe to the rest of us that we don't know about that we don't see but that's happening you know just around the corner from from where we're standing so to put them in real life locations doing this nonsense you know is is just, it's kind of a fun combo my i i mean i i really enjoyed the first two films and i mostly enjoyed this one if i have a quibble it's that it's you get so many great action sequences early on that the movie cannot Ooh. maintain that level I, of awesome. I agree. Of I agree. Awesome. They
1: top-loaded it a, a bit, yeah. You've
2: you, you got the library scene. Then you've got the hall of knives. Then the you've got the horses kicking people in the stables. Oh. Then you've got the horses and the oh. motorcycles. And so it's kind of like, I, I can't. <laughs> Just, By know. the way,
0: those are all perfect examples of that idea of there's no such thing as spoilers because it's – how it's done because you saying the horse is kicking people does not tell you what Yo, that scene not is. At all, mm-hmm. not at all. No, I agree. I think that the like I said the more they try and shingle world building onto this, the crumblier it gets. <laughs> that said, there were also small the fact that he goes to Casablanca is amazing <laughs> to me and straight up the guy that met him there and then that we only had one scene with, but there was a guy who met him there that reminded me of um oh my god, kill me from Casablanca no, from, from uh, Casablanca. the
2: Jeffrey Bogart, Claude Rains.
0: Claude Rains. Okay. That he had the, like, twinkle in his eye. We're
2: on $10,000 like... Pyramid yes, all of a sudden. we are. <laughs>
0: well, normally you, we, like, read my mind on those, so <laughs> we'll have to work on our telepathy. But then him, so him ending up at the desert, that did become that thing, too. What was their checklist of how many things, we definitely want a very city feel. What could look, look like all...
1: Lawrence of Arabia? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that, that was a little Dark knight too, like... You know, oh, Batman you, begins. Yeah, handling your business. Then you're somewhere else. I don't know if that's a rebirth or sort mm. of you regroup. Now you're back. Um, for, for me, too, like I really enjoyed a movie, but it, there was an evilness to it, which I don't know. I'm like, didn't sit well with me um, only because of the, the table and it just felt very, you know, Illuminati, Secret mm. Society kind of esque. And which is okay, but everyone's like selling their soul and killing their friends, and <laughs> but not killing their friends. But they said they were going to kill their friends, you know. Yeah. That kind of.
0: There's the. I totally agree on the, if it wasn't this chapter feeling, I would have had a little more, what's this high table? I don't like, I like the free-for-all sort of part of this world. I don't like the idea. I get enough of that in my world of the machinations of government or whatever. (laughs) I don't need this nonsense. Um, But one of the things, and actually talking about the desert and Halle Berry and her dogs, the John Wick casting always is incredible. And for a franchise that's built on being such a bro-friendly... I mean, it is. It's video game. It's targeted. It's all these things. I find it more accessible to women. Most of the bigger fans I know are females, not just of the Keanu, which we can definitely talk about, but also that they, in their casting, of, oh, we had this franchise. It did well. Who are we going to people this world with? And, like, in the second one, they brought in Ruby Rose, who spoke in ASL, and... Um, uh, the oh, the Italian actress who was like this 46-year-old love interest and has like the, the like naked scene.
2: Is it Valeria Galino or No, it's no.
0: Shireen, something, Claudia Shireen. Or, no, don't don't quote me on it. But then in, in this one, like as you mentioned, it's Ozia Kate Dillon.
2: Yeah, like, they I assume. Br- they
0: brought in arguably the world's most famous non-binary actor yes. to play the lead villain, and... Angelica just, Houston. Angelica <laughs> Houston. And that Halle Berry, and that when you meet Halle Berry's character, you're meant to immediately infer, oh, these are people who maybe came up in the ranks of assassin together. Right. And so whose age are... They're the same age. They found a... you know, right, So there's something right. about oh, nice. that of like, oh, there's a black actress, also in her 50s, who kills it literally and just yes. figuratively well, in this. And
2: then also, I think, you know, because his backstory is like, his wife died, but she gave him a puppy, and then they killed the puppy, <laughs> right. and now everyone must die because they killed the puppy. Like, that's a very, you know. That
0: backstory tracks for me. Yeah, yeah. And I love mm.
1: the one it's, thing, it's too. It's very unbro This movie, yeah, true. as they go on, they know it, like, they kind of, like, fine-tune what the movie is, who, like, they make fun of the dog thing, mm. like, they're kind of, like, owning this is what sure, we sure. are now, you know, and I, I, I thought that was kind of cool, but let's talk Ke- Keanu, um, is there a, uh, another movie I star will... that has ever been so universally beloved? And um, how's he created such a prolific character?
2: Well, it's funny because, I mean, y- you know, yeah, it's easy now to say that he's uni- universally beloved, but I think that he was not. Treated seriously no, for a very long time. He was mocked time. for so long. The yeah. wo- I remember the woe stuff. In speaking of
0: self-referential, yeah. when The Matrix, when the you know the first leap comes across, and he does the "whoa" of that being this callback to his surfer guy in Point Break, and even Bill and Ted. Right. So.
2: Um, I remember there was that interview with Charlie Sheen where he talked about how, like, you know, Coppola and Bernardo Bertolucci and, like, he rattled on, like, all these directors, he goes, they look at him and they go, that's my guy? Like, it was, you know, it's like, and of course, where's Charlie Sheen now? Um, but anyway, it just, <laughs> I think that it was very, it was, it was the popular thing to dump on Keanu for a long time. Yeah. But he is a movie star. Yes. And he has a screen persona that people love and this role you might think on paper wouldn't fit what he does but because it's he's of so few words and because it is so action-oriented and because he does have to be charismatic and likable and you know even as he's doing terrible things to to bad people uh, yeah he's perfect for it and i think
0: universally is the perfect way to say it too because one of the things about him, he's marketable across the world, which is not possible. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of guys who Hollywood would love to be. We, I mean, our leading men are aging out. Right. They've been trying to like they're like, oh, come on, Jake Killenhall Ryan Gosling. They're trying so hard to find the next George Clooney and Brad Pitt. And instead, George Clooney and Brad Pitt keep being the stars in movies. Keanu is different from all of them. He's beloved in universal things and part of it also ties back to what i love about john wick is keanu has he's badass and an unbelievable fighter but also the guy looks like a sensitive guy i mean he right, that's right. at the at the core of it like you're saying the dog killing <laughs> that this is motivated by this sympathetic thing but i think all of his characters have that he's both sort of the embodiment of a lot of things that dudes I keep saying bro, but that is <laughs> what I figured. Like the bro would sort of look up to. Like, oh, he's a really good fighter and he can shoot. And he does all the training himself. Like you can watch the videos of him. And he has motorcycles. But also, he's a sensitive guy. He will probably turn this conversation to Shakespeare if he can. He's real respectful of people. There's just nothing but kind stories about him. And there's something about that that feeds into his movie star mystique in a way that, I mean, who, who else hits the same points is keanu reeves right
1: because i think it's like usually and um all I, those I, quadrants for like all, a, them, all <laughs> them juicy
0: quadrants right
1: for like a you know woman if you want a guy who's strong and sensitive usually oh, yeah. you have to sort of like Either sort or of or. Uh, yeah sacrifice in one of the categories you know but here's a guy who, like you said sensitive but you have to feel really safe in terms of what he can do to anyone who might approach you on the street. Right. You know? But he
0: also wouldn't want to. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they would have to force him to. Yeah, yes. they would have to force
1: him to. <laughs> Only under duress.
0: He would also ask you if you were comfortable taking on yourself, you know?
1: Right. But see, I like, and you know, it's weird because he does have that sensitivity, but he also, I think, is kind in a sense because when he kills people, there's no, like, it's almost like, you know, you have to be cruel to be kind kind of thing. There's a lot of headshots in this movie. Oh, there's yeah. a I mean, lot of, like... Oh, yeah. Like I'm just going to end you, and I'm not a killer. But when I watch movies, I don't like when they don't kill someone.
2: Oh yeah, no, I you went know? to see The Intruder, and when they got Dennis Quaid, Dave made fun of me because I because they like they 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 knock him down and they walk up and I'm like remove the head. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yes.
1: and Hello, double
0: tapped. <laughs> None of you watch Zombieland. <laughs>
1: Sometimes I think you could save bullets. Um, how many casualties <laughs> would you say this film had? If you had to guess, Ooh, not that I, I don't know. Interesting. Uh, You'd have to
0: break it. I mean, the 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 initial knife scene alone, like twenty twenty five dudes I'm ran through. Over the
2: course of the film, at least a uh, hundred and fifty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a lot. They and
0: <laughs> they also. Again, not just changing the style of fighting, which I like, because, again, every song sure. should feel different. Every yep. dance should look different. Every fight should look different. That um, they also, in talking to the video game side of it, I really noticed it once they were in Morocco and he had maybe my favorite fight scene was the one with Halle Berry and the dogs Mm. and everyone they're fighting there had headscarves on and then everyone um, later on like they all the men have on um, helmets so there's this thing too of a, they're in it because they signed up for it, and B, I can't see their faces, so they're right, just going. Right. It's so it's like it's a the,
2: different board. It's, the, it's the chorus. It's the chorus. They it's come it's in the on Greek different chorus. numbers. Yes. <laughs> no, it's like how you know you'll watch certain musicals and you'll realize that like okay, they hired yeah. like ten male dancers and twen- yeah. ten female dancers, and they just put them in different costumes and right, wigs occasionally. Right. But like, oh, it's her by. again, you know. Yes. So yeah, so this is this the same assassins every time. Yes.
0: Oh, that would be yeah, that would be even better. <laughs> um... Yeah, I can't, I really think I derailed um, whatever your actual question was, because I no, really no, wanted... just how many categories I think. But I really, I, yeah, <laughs> it was just
1: very important to me to mention how much I liked Halle Berry's fight scene. But the thing, like, like you said, uh, Alonzo, at the end, the guys respect them so much, they keep kind of like, stop starting... And it keeps sort of like, let's. The the, the 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 final battle is 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 a guy
2: who's a fan,
1: you know. Right. It's it's a little weird.
0: I actually really liked that because the other reality is we have been watching Keanu Reeves fight, fight full body, hardcore fight for 30 years. How many years? I mean, for so. When did the Matrix Matrix was in
2: 99, so yeah, 20 years. I do math,
0: 20 years. (laughs) Ugh. Thank God, my dad doesn't listen to this. Like,
2: oh, Learn math, but did you tell him that men weren't allowed to? Yeah, I did.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, oh, you're not. You're not allowed. Go do whatever you're doing when uh, my mom's at her meeting. But the idea that we've been watching him fight for twenty years, and then John Wick, especially, this picks up. I when there's a moment because it picks up. Right when the second one ends, and frenetic and running and relentless, and people are chasing him, and he's been he starts shot because he ended shot in the last one. And I honestly, at one point, was like, I just really, really would love for him to be able to take a shower and get a nap. It's all (laughs) I want. But it's also because Keanu Reeves is fifty-four years old, and although I say that not with he's doing really great for he's doing great for anybody, but there is a nice nod to that of oh, we've not only watched him get beat up. whole franchise we've been watching him fight for so long so having nods to it within the the script i really liked that i well, like yeah because
2: uh, you make these guys superhuman and they're not that exactly, interesting exactly. like that's yeah, that's, yeah, uh, that's I, I always go back to this die hard the shoe, the the barefoot, the being barefoot, oh. and having to walk on the glass, like that's a, that is what a human being does, and that is how a human being bleeds, and most action heroes don't yeah. do that and don't have that level of uh, not necessarily emotional vulnerability, but just physical vulnerability, right. and so yeah, so the fact that. That that Reeves is aging, and even though he's still like superhuman, nonetheless these movies put him through the mill as much as he is, you know, murdering everyone around him.
0: And it's and it shows he's heaving and limping by the end. Yeah. It
1: just, it just seems like that the chap if the table was that powerful, then it'd be like no fighting it. You know, I don't know if that's some uh, sort of a metaphor, but.
0: Yeah, like you no know, fighting that,
2: but, in the but boardroom. But the, no, 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 no. But the, you're saying if if they were that powerful, there's no way to beat them. <laughs> right, but, right. But then there's like, no uh, movie. No, no, I know, I know. But
1: it's just sort of like the choices. When 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 guests with when when faced with like A or B, you know, like it's like a fork in the road. They go straight. They, sure. That happens a few times, and you're like, oh, okay.
2: I guess that was an option. Yeah. yeah. You know,
1: that was an option. Um, so for our final review of John Wick Chapter Three: Parabellum, would you screen it, stream it, or skip it?
0: i am um, screen it, screen it for sure. Get on the big screen. Um, I've been in a deep, loving relationship with Keanu Reeves now for many years, and I just want him to do well because he's my boyfriend and best friend. And <laughs> right. So, um, but yeah, no, this movie's fantastic and fun.
1: Yeah, I would say sc- screen it for sure because uh, it's a great popcorn movie. You need to see these fights on the big screen to, I think, fully appreciate them, and it's. And it's a pretty kick-ass movie, so.
2: Yeah, I, I would say screen it. It's. Arguably my least favorite of the three, just because I think again it has pacing issues because it, so much great stuff happens in the first act right. that the movie kind of has doesn't have as many places to go after and chapter that. Chapter two
0: and was so memorable for you, clearly so. yes.
2: But I, mean, no, but I I knew I had fun while I was watching yeah. it. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You do want to see these on the big screen. Like I remember back in the '90s when, like, if you wanted to see Hong Kong movies, you either had to like drive out to you know the neighborhoods where like Chinese people lived and they showed those movies with no subtitles. Oh, wow. or like midnight shows at art houses or whatever you know and uh, and yeah you it's not the same as watching them on the small screen so take it all in
1: got a screen in unless you have a screen at home then you can stream it on your screen uh, we'll nice. be right back after we hear from another show for maximum fun.
0: Hi, I'm Joe Firestone. And I'm
1: Manolo Moreno. And
0: we're the hosts of Dr. Game Show, which is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners regardless of quality or content with in-studio guests and callers from all over the world. And you can win a custom a magnet. A custom magnet. Subscribe now to make sure you get our next episode. What's an example of a game, Manolo? Pokemon or medication. How do you play that? You have to guess if something's a Pokemon name oh, or for huh? uh, Medi- medication. medication? First time listener, if you want to listen to episode highlights and also know... How to participate? Follow Dr. Game Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love to hear yeah, from you. That's really fun. For the whole family, we'll be every other Wednesday starting March 13th, and we're coming to Max Fun! Snorlax. Pokemon? Yes. Nice.
1: Welcome back to Who Shotcha. I'm your guest host, Dwayne Perkins, and in the studio with me are Alonzo Duraldi Drea Clark. Now it's time to answer a <laughs> call from the Who Shot line. Let's listen to the call. Hey, guys. It's DJ. Hello, April, Alonzo, and Drev. My bad. (laughs) I was just listening to the episode with uh, Kevin Navy, who's a great guest. I think you guys should have one again. I had a question listening to your uh, staff picks. I was wondering if there was a origin story for the directors that you fell in love with when you were younger or just when you fell in love with film. So who was the first time you ever knew a director's name attached to a film versus just an actor and has that director kept his place in your pantheon. Uh, Thanks for all the great episodes. You're always a highlight of the week and thanks again. Thank you, DJ. Good question.
0: That was nice. Um, I have one and it's, I have a couple, actually, and okay. <laughs> most of them um, ended in total disappointment because that's the shape life generally sure. takes. Um, but I very distinctly remember watching Beetlejuice um, when on VHS because I was in junior high or something, but we could rent it and loved it and was immediately struck with, I didn't think it looked like anything else I had seen. The mm-hmm. world of it was so distinctive and unusual. And it also had a lot I could relate to in ways that were surprising to me. Um, and so I learned Tim Burton and then looked that up because I, I didn't – like Pee-wee's I think I was too young for or I had missed and I went back for. And then in very quick succession, he did Batman and then Edward Scissorhands and then Batman – again, Batman Returns. Whoops. T- <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas. Edward, like all of these movies that were about – kind of weirdos, who were also kind of awesome, which I think many (laughs) preteen teenagers can relate to. And there was also, it was the kind of thing, I weirdly was super into trauma films when I was young. Um, That that says a lot about me. But part of it is that there was, I just like things that look different. And Burton's movies looked so different from anything else. It gave me the idea of film is artistry and um, yes if you listen to our Dumbo episode you know he has not sustained that (laughs) but I do I have this inherent well of goodwill towards him because especially at a very formative time of what his brand was and what his visual just craft looks like meant so
2: much to me. I have to Christmas actually you and just mention that he didn't direct Nightmare Before Christmas, but <gasps> it is Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, so it's I did very much his vision. I did so. that on
0: purpose so you could Christmas actually me. Bless your heart.
2: <laughs> um, mine actually, uh, it would probably be Alfred Hitchcock. Um, Well, because here's the thing. I I, I don't know if I've ever told this story on this show before, but um, part of how I got into movies as a child was um, I, I was total menopause baby. Like my my mom had six kids in eight years and then I was born five years after that. So my oldest brother is 12 years older than I am. And he went to Harvard in the early 70s where like. The Casablanca revival was happening. The Marx Brothers revival was happening. There was a lot of sort of classic Hollywood stuff that was really kind of centered in repertory, you know, around that campus. And so he came home from college with all of these books about like MGM musicals and Greta Garbo and, you know, all these different sort of old Hollywood things. And one of them was um, uh, Donald Spoto's. First book about Alfred Hitchcock, the one that he wrote when Hitchcock was still alive, which where he was like a total suck up, not the sort of mommy dearest book he wrote after (laughs) Hitchcock died. (laughs) Um, and so this book was literally like each chapter was a different Hitchcock movie. And so I just devoured that book. And, you know, Hitchcock was kind of one of the first brand name directors between being on mm-hmm. TV mm-hmm. and sort of working himself into his advertising, starting with, like, Psycho and stuff uh, and the cameos. So I think for a lot of people that was, yeah. you know, if they, they didn't really know what a director was. They knew that he was one, you know. So for me as a kid, watching those old movies on TV like a Hitchcock movie meant a thing. And I would say... I still hold him pretty high in the pantheon. I mean uh, you know it's, uh, I think he, he's some are better than others and I am not part of the vertigo cult. Um I think it's fine but it's not my favorite of his stuff and I think he's made a lot better films. Um but yeah, that was th- th- that was definitely the first time where I was like that's a director, he's a director I need to see his movies.
1: Yeah. Nice. I think for me um like you know, you know you kinda realize the role of the director, they say cut or they say action, you know <laughs> right, what I mean? Yeah. Um but in terms of knowing directors, probably I would say Spike lee because he was sort mm-hmm. of celebrated in New York. He was from Brooklyn and um I remember seeing um She's Gotta Have It. Okay. And I was like, uh I don't know, teenager, young teenager, and I thought that was really, really funny and it was in black and white and, and He was on Nike ads. Yeah, and then the Nike thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, so definitely seeing someone from your—I'm from Brooklyn—and someone from your area who's you know doing it on such a big sure, level—that yeah, yeah. was inspirational. And as far as has he held up? I think um, I would say yes for the most part. I think whenever Spike Lee does a movie for me without any race component, it's better. I mean, his race movies are fine, but uh, you know, I think people kind of put him in that box. So mm-hmm. I love it when he can show you that. He can handle a story that has nothing to do with race. It's like, what are some of your favorites? Um, well, I know he did Clansman, which is a race thing. Yeah. but I think the Inside Job or oh, Inside There's, Man, the, in,
2: in, the Inside Man. yeah. Inside Man, I really the, the Jody Foster. Yeah,
1: really um, dug that. And um, you know, I, I think if I can get a Spike Lee movie without that, I don't know if that's a dolly shot where a person's just <laughs> moving the and their legs aren't moving. I don't need that anymore. But. Where, where they're coming close to the camera, <laughs> right, and the background is going right, further right, right. away. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's kind of his signature. I Get it? But I'm, I'm good on that. I um, think
2: also a Hitchcock shot. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure, is but I think right? it might be. Yeah, eh, Tim Burton probably used it too. <laughs> probably. Yeah, and it's still,
1: you know, still good to see Spike still doing his thing sure. and still opinionated and you know. How,
2: um, how great was it when Barbara Streisand came out of the Oscars and talked about how they were both from Brooklyn? That yeah, was yeah. amazing. <laughs>
1: People from Brooklyn—that's a thing. If you're from Brooklyn, no, especially it. the old Brooklyn, I don't know about the the, the new Brooklyn, but
2: yeah. yeah, before it was ruined. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: Well, thanks for that. That was uh, Thank you, DJ. Yes, thank you to everyone who's called in. And please keep calling with questions. The number for the Who Shot Your Line is WSY8031664.
2: And be like DJ, keep it brief. Yes,
1: please, please. a little brief. Yeah. Brief. And now it's time for uh, staff picks. Staff picks. Uh, it can be any movie, in theater, streaming, what have you. um uh, would like to start.
2: Okay, I'll go. Um, This is in some theaters, but mainly available streaming. It's on iTunes and Amazon and all those places. Uh, The film's called We Have Always Lived in the Castle, which is based on a novel that I have not read by Shirley Jackson. Um, It is the second film by a filmmaker named Stacy Passon, who I'm a huge fan of. Her first film, Concussion, is great, great, great. Not the Will Smith one, the lesbian one. Um, Go back and watch it. I think it might... (laughs) I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it, but track down Stacey Passon's Concussion, one of the best queer films of the last yes. decade or so. So this one, uh, again, adaptation of a Shirley Jackson novel. So it's set in the early 60s. It's about a a rich family that lives in this beautiful house, but they're sort of walled off from the small town that's around them. Uh, There has been a tragedy. The parents were poisoned. um, And, you know, the people in the town think that the older daughter did it, but, you know, she was cleared, but they still suspect her, and they think, you know, just awful things about the family. So the older daughter is played by Alexander Daddario. Her younger sister, who's like 18, is played by Tysa Farmey, Liga and uh, they live in the house with their uncle who has been uh, wheelchair bound since the poisoning played by uh, Crispin Glover and then one day their rakish cousin played by Sebastian Stan shows up who clearly has uh, malicious intents but only uh, only Tessa Farmiga's character seems to know that that's the deal she is constantly sort of burying these totems in the yard to cast protective spells over her family but finally uh, Push is going to come to shove between her and the cousin between the family and the town uh, it's a dynamite movie I really enjoyed it terrific performances and again Stacey Pass great filmmaker and
0: it's a period piece
2: it's it really is.
0: beautifully stylized fun fact I world premiered that at LA Film Festival Ew, and then I also nice. then brought it to Bentonville Film Festival two weeks ago look at you nice. because Alonzo and I have great days that's great i performed
1: yeah. in Bentonville oh nice uh, Walmart headquarters word yes
0: Oh, okay. I have mine. Yes. All right. I'm ready. I was looking it up because I wanted to make sure I got the director's name. This is a new release on Netflix that I kind of stumbled on accidentally. I was like, "Huh, what is this?" It's called "See You Yesterday." Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just
2: premiered at Tribeca.
1: Oh, yeah. Yes. It's one of these. It's Spike they Lee executive producer. Going back actually. in time. Yes. yes. Same day kind of thing. Yeah. Um,
0: and it's yeah, it's directed by Stefan Bristol, who is one of Spike Lee's kind of. Prodigies? Proteges. Do people, pro, pro, proteges. I did prodigy. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> you guys get it. Um, and I love a time travel movie anyway. And this one is about, I think it it's, 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 might be set in Brooklyn, speaking of Brooklyn. But it's set, um, it's very much feel of city. It's beautifully done because it's a teenage story. It's led by this girl, um, black girl, braids glasses super smart like super crazy smart she and her best friend are literally inventing time travel with these backpacks nonsense a lot of science words you're like what's going on so it's this great idea of taking oh cuz we see so many of those stories and we talk about here like the whitewashing of those we see we've seen them done a thousand times in the Midwest with, like, the scrappy kids in this, like, oh, no, we're sitting in the city, and these kids are equally smart and personality-driven. But the part that I found interesting and wondered if they pulled off and really liked is the tonal switch, because the incident that happens that makes her really want to go back in time is her brother, who's a young black man, 20-ish, late teens, is shot by a policeman yeah shot and killed, and so obviously it it puts the sort of onus and the the sense of urgency for her going back in time um it gives it more weight and it's really interesting because it manages to both be this fun her and her best friend have a great rapport and it's jokey and there's this guy she had this relationship with and they keep running into and it's so it's got a lot of that youthful verve to it but there's a very real story at the middle that means just as much to their community as the idea that these kids are great at at stem (laughs) and um and anyway i found it a really engaging watch because of that like it was ambitious in pretty successful in most ways and also just flew by I think it's like one oh, of those awesome so I'll we, check it out
1: I'll check it because I was like another time loop there's so many i I audition for yeah. time loop movies <laughs> so it's kind of a thing now there's a TV show that does it there's, there's a lot of that going avengers on avengers end game does it yes. yeah right right um <laughs> sorry so, spoiler right <laughs> well mine is um I don't know if you've had this on this uh show before but I went with uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Cooley High, Ooh. Um, 1975 movie. I believe, I feel like when I was really small, my mom took me to see it, and I barely <laughs> knew what was happening. Um, but it's a, it's a coming-of-age tale about these black kids in high school, a lot of Motown music. It's just a fun watch set in Chicago. Um, it's alluded to many many rap songs, so don't <laughs> listen to a rap song before you watch this movie because they, <laughs> they might give away the ending. Um, the Fuji's video "Killing Me Softly" mm. is like basically a scene from this movie is acted out in that in that video. Oh, so, I never knew that. Yeah, um, the movie I, I believe the movie theater scene, and also at the end of the Fuji's, they kind of tell you what happened to everyone. I'm sure that's this movie didn't invent that, but this is the first movie I saw where they. Let you know what happened to the characters right, right. beyond. Um, I love that. <laughs> and yeah, it's just a great. Garrett Morris is in it. Um, when I used, sometimes I tease Garrett Morris because um, he used to have a comedy club downtown. And there's a guy in this movie um, who's was like the, he was like in the movie uh, The Show, A Different World. Oh, okay. He was Glenn Glenn uh, Glenn, Glenn Thurman. Thurman. Yeah, oh, yeah, he was like the the science you know, the teacher who dies in Gremlins. Teacher. Yeah, he was the professor <laughs> and. And Garrett Morris is so old, he was his teacher in Cooley High. Like, he wasn't. Uh, he was his teacher in Cooley High. So, it's a really fun, fun movie. A lot of, um, you know, just teenage hijinks. I Cara? And then Cara, it gets kind of serious. I, mean, I don't know. Right? She is. I mean, I mean, I have the cast up here. I forget, but she, uh, she no, could that, be.
2: that is that's a That's a very influential black film of the 70s. And I, I want to give a shout out real quick. Not a great movie, but. Uh, The Sun is Also a Star Mm -hmm. is one of the few movies I've ever seen that is set in New York and has not one white speaking role.
1: Is that right? Nice. Yeah. that's the, like the Asian guy and the black girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: and like John Leguizamo is in it, but like literally no white people talk in this movie. That's that's
1: I think
0: See You Yesterday has only one white speaking role, and it's great because it's a small little cameo <laughs> as the science teacher of Michael J. Fox. Yes. Boom.
1: It depends on the neighborhood, I guess. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's great. So check those those movies out, guys. Uh, now it's time for five star reviews. If you leave us a five star review. We'll read it on air.
0: Grace under pressure. Oh, that's such a good name. Don't let your films. Oh, sorry. Don't let your friend's film student roommate get you down. Listen to this. I will dearly miss Ricky bringing to the show what I've been referring to as the unofficial Wu Tang minute truth. But it's great to hear the other host trucking on and keeping the spirit. I don't have much time to go and see movies, but thanks to this podcast, I have conversations and sound like I know things. The hosts trade back and forth thoughtful commentary, lavishings of love, and deepest dunkings on each other like it's the easiest thing in the world. It's a giggly, intelligent joy every week. Ah, Andrea, if you're reading or hearing this, I love you. I love you, Grace Under Pressure.
2: (laughs) And Nathan Gwynn just says, what's good with me? This podcast. Nice. nice. Aww. <laughs> well, Dwayne, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank it's been, you. It,
2: it's been a treat. Where uh, Where can folks find you? Where can they buy your zombie book? All the things. Uh, yes, oh, my yeah. zombie
1: run book uh, is on Amazon. So just type in zombie run and Dwayne Perkins. Uh, DwaynePerkins.com is my website. You can see where I'll be performing in and around the Los Angeles area. Um, I write on a game show called Funny... Well, I content produce on a game show <laughs> called Funny You Should Ask, uh, where every question has a funny answer, so check that out. Just hit up your local listings. We're on all over, but we're syndicated, so you have to find it. Yeah, um, yeah and I'm Dwayne Perkins on, on Instagram. And uh, the Twitter? Yes. Uh, DP is my Twitter <laughs> handle, yes.
2: DPs can be hilarious. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. That's right. a whole other story.
1: <laughs> if you have a, a comment or a suggestion about this week's show, tweet us at Who shot your Pod. Uh, our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com slash group slash Who Podcast, or send us an email at Who at Uh one more time, the Who Shot line number is WSY 803-1664. Our producer is Casey O'Brien, our senior producer is Laura Swisher. This is a production of MaximumFun.org.